have a meal downstairs after church. So don't rush off. Let's have a time of fellowship together. Um, We have one announcement. Uh, Midwinter camp, January 6th and 7th in Eau Claire. Uh, We do have the schedule on the bulletin board and back, so if you want any uh, other details, just check that out. Uh, Youth convention is next week, so hope you're excited about going. We're going to be there, and we are going to be blessed. Hallelujah. In case you didn't know, this is the Christmas season. This is the time of year that people are most generous Uh, They try to spread joy and cheer, and many of them don't even know God. But as Christians, we don't need to limit ourselves to just one time in the year because we know the Messiah, we know the Savior. We can have joy all year, every day. We can be generous. We can be kind because we have the Spirit of God in us. We can spread joy. We can spread the gospel. Hallelujah. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Let earth receive her King. Let every heart prepare Him room. And heaven and nature sing. And heaven and nature sing. And heaven and heaven and nature sing. Joy to the earth, the Savior reigns. Let men their songs employ. While fields and floods, rocks, hills and plains, Repeat the sounding joy, repeat the sounding joy, repeat, repeat the sounding joy. No to the world. <laughs> the nations prove. The glories of his righteousness and wonders of his love and wonders of his love and wonders, wonders of his love. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room. And heaven and nature sing. And heaven and nature sing. And heaven and heaven and nature sing. He rules the world with truth and grace and makes the nations prove the glories of his righteousness and wonders of his love 
and wonders of his love and wonders, wonders of his love. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, you brought joy to the world. Hallelujah. As our Savior, our Messiah, Lord. Hallelujah. We sing your praises. We adore you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, Lord, you are worthy. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Silent night, holy night, all is calm, all is bright round yon virgin mother and child. Holy infant so tender and mild. Sleep in heavenly peace. Sleep in heavenly Silent night, holy night, shepherds quake at the sight, glory stream from heaven afar. Heavenly hosts sing Alleluia. Christ the Savior is born. Christ the Savior is born. night, holy night, Son of God, love's pure light, radiant beams from thy holy face. With the dawn of redeeming.
Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. That night so long ago, Lord, that changed the world. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, that every day we can know you are our Savior, the Messiah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I praise you, Lord. Hallelujah. You deserve the glory. You deserve the honor. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Hark the herald angels sing. Glory to the newborn king. Peace on earth and mercy mild. God and sinners reconciled. Joyful all ye nations rise. Join the triumph of the skies. With angelic hosts proclaim, Christ is born in Bethlehem. Hark the herald angels sing, Glory to the newborn King. Christ by highest heaven adored, Christ the everlasting Lord. Late in time behold him come, offspring of the virgin's womb. Veiled in flesh the Godhead see, Hail the incarnate deity, pleased as man with man to dwell. Jesus, our Emmanuel, hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn King. Hail the heaven-born Prince of Peace. Hail the Son of Righteousness. Light and life to all He brings. Risen with healing in His wings. Mild He lays His glory by. Born that man no more may die. Born to raise the sons of earth. Born to give them second birth. Hark the herald angels sing. Glory to the newborn King. Come, desire of nations, come, fix in us thy humble home. Rise the woman's conquering seed, bruise in us the serpent's head. Adam's likeness now 
Touch us with thy love. Hark the herald angels sing. Glory to the newborn King. Hark the herald angels sing. Glory to the newborn King. Peace on earth and mercy mild. God and sinners reconciled. Joyful all ye nations rise. Join the triumph in the skies. With angelic hosts proclaim, Christ is born in Bethlehem. Hark the herald angels sing, Glory to the newborn King. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Can we give him glory and honor for just a moment? He's worthy of it. Praise God. Hallelujah, Jesus. He is our King. He is our Lord and our God, our Savior and our Redeemer. He is the lover of our soul. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. We worship you on this day. We worship you every day. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. You are worthy of all worship. You are worthy of all praise. You are worthy to receive all glory, all honor, all majesty, all power, all authority is yours. Hallelujah, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah, Lord Jesus. You are our King. You are our King. Hallelujah, Jesus. It is our desire to enter into your presence this morning. Hallelujah, Jesus. Praise God. What an awesome God we serve. Amen. He is an awesome God. Praise God. You can be seated for just a moment. Thank you so much. This will be our Christmas service. And so, uh, this message, uh, it is my desire to have a relatively short, hopefully meaningful message, and then a time of fellowship. Before we start, glad Sister Sonia is back with us. Amen. We're praying for you guys. Praise God. It is good to see you here. Praise God. <clears throat> also, there were some questions concerning the what's on the calendar uh, apparently on the calendar we have services canceled for the remainder of the week. I do want to have services on Wednesday and Sunday. However, I do understand if you guys have plans going out of town, going out of state to visit family and friends. Uh, I totally get that and I want you to do that if, if, uh, if that's available to you. Uh, those of us that are here though, uh, we'll have service. Amen. Wednesday and Sunday. Praise God. Praise God. The Bible does encourage us to not forsake the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, 
but exhorting one another, and so much the more, as we see the day coming, as the day approaches. Yes, and that day is coming. That day is quickly arriving. Amen. Luke chapter 1, verses 46 through 55, is where we'll take our scripture text this morning. Luke chapter 1, verses 46 through 55. I imagine there will be a lot of messages this morning out of Luke. I think this will go a little bit different direction, but we'll let the Lord take us out and we'll see where he leads us. Amen. Starting with verse 46. The Bible says this, And Mary said, My soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior, for he hath regarded the lowest state of his handmaiden. For behold, from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed. For he that is mighty hath done to me great things, and holy is his name. And his mercy is on them that fear him from generation to generation. He hath shown strength with his arm. He hath scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He hath put down the mighty from their seats and exalted them of low degree. He hath filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he hath sent empty away. He hath hope in his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, as he spake to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his seed forever. Amen. I've entitled this, The Magnificent. Magnificent. Let's pray one more time and ask God to bless the remainder of his service that his perfect will would again be accomplished here in our midst today. Lord Jesus, you're an awesome God. You're worthy of worship and praise. You are our King. You are our King, thou most high God. We desire to serve you, to submit ourselves to you, to become obedient unto the voice of the Lord our God today. Hallelujah, Jesus, because you have given up everything for us. You have given everything of yours to us. Thank you, Jesus. Minister to our needs this morning, I pray, according to your perfect will. These things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Thank you. You can be seated. When it comes to Christmas time, and my wife has already touched on it, uh, as Christians, this ought to be every day, right? We don't need a specific day or a specific season to celebrate the birth of our Savior. We don't need a specific season to uh, remind us that we ought to be not only experiencing, but sharing love, joy, peace, the gospel, the good news. There are some cliches as we approach the Christmas season that are especially prevalent in churches. Uh, They're cliches for a reason. It's good to mention them. It's good to be reminded of these things. But in any case, one of them is talking about the commercialization of Christmas. And that is certainly a bad thing. We know that presents and gifts and shopping and all of those things are not the reason that we celebrate Christmas. We we understand that. I guess my problem, though, is We don't have a problem with the commercialization of the other 364 days out of the year. We don't really complain too much 
about Walmart? Well, it used to be open 24-7. Amazon is open 24-7. Those poor workers have to be there all around the clock. We don't really complain too much about that. We don't complain when the restaurant is open on Sunday because we want to get something to eat. But someone's got to work there on Sunday. But then when Christmas time comes around, we get all indignant about the commercialization of Christmas, which is, I will be the first to say, not a good thing. But in the spirit of, we ought to be doing these things all year long. Shouldn't we be a little bit more worried about the other, the rest of the year? Now in a capitalist society, there's going to be some of that. Okay, we get that. There's some trade-offs. I prefer capitalism over communism. I do that for a variety of of reasons I won't get into here, Uh, but, I mean, we could have a long discussion on that. I think some of you are probably, you agree with me. But, that's not to say that capitalism is not without its faults. We understand that. When we allow it to get into Christmas, when we allow it to get into this time where we're reminded, where uh, where we wish to celebrate a very specific event. Now, we understand, I hope, that Jesus wasn't born on December 25th. Okay, he, he wasn't born then. Okay, Probably sometime in October, September, somewhere around there. Um, but in any case, uh, you know, at the end of the day, I mean, I hate to say this, but Christmas is just a pagan holiday that's been repurposed and rebranded with Christian trappings, okay? It's okay to say that, because it's the truth. However, that doesn't make the Christmas season wrong, okay? I celebrate Christmas. My family has always celebrated Christmas. But just understand... It's originally a pagan holiday that's been repurposed, okay? The holiday itself isn't important. December 25th isn't what's important. December isn't important. What is important is that we're, we're taking time out as a society at one time. We took time out as a society to recognize that the God of heaven humbled himself. He came down from off of his throne. He wrapped himself in flesh. Why did he do that? For you and for me. He didn't do it for any other reason. I promise you that. Not for the good times he was going to have down here. Not for the experience. An omniscient God doesn't need to have an experience. He's had all the experiences. He knows everything. He came down for a purpose, for a reason, so that you and I, I was really surprised. Hark the Herald Angels Sing is doctrinally sound. That is a very apostolic song. I didn't know that. I always just sung the first verse and that was it. No second verse, same as the first. (laughs) 
Not for me. I'm going to start singing those, though. Those were amazing. Talking about the, the first and second Adam. Wow. What a powerful, what a powerful message that is. That he, is going, he came to destroy the image of the first Adam in us. And to reshape us and refashion us into the likeness of the second Adam. Jesus Christ. What an awesome thing that is. Another cliche that we, we hear is, Jesus is the reason for the season. And He is the reason for the season. He is the reason that we celebrate this in the first place. However, isn't Jesus really the reason for every season? Isn't He the reason for every year, every month, every day? He is the reason. He is, the, he is our goal. He is our hope. He is our all in all. Our exceeding great reward. Every day, we ought to be reminded that He is the reason I exist. He's the reason I live. He's the reason all of this is here in the first place. He's not just the reason for this season. I'm glad we have a time set aside for that. I am. But as Christians, we don't need just one season. And we ought not have to be reminded of that. That He is the reason. Period. Another cliche is the idea of miracles. I don't know if this is so much a cliche as uh, kind of a, it's becoming a watered-down word. Kind of like love. You know, there's all kinds of different love, but it's the same word. We only have one word in the English language for love. Jesus loves me. That is a way different kind of love than I love hamburgers for lunch. It's the same word. But I promise you I don't love that hamburger near as much as Jesus loves me. I love that hamburger about as much as a human can. I love hamburgers. But Jesus loves me infinitely more. But it's the same word. It's got to cover everything. And miracles, in a sense, is, has or, or is becoming kind of the same way. We, we hear about, you know, the everyday miracles, the, the, the little miracles in life. And they are miracles, don't get me wrong. Miracle of a sunrise. Miracle of, of uh, a, a relationship, a budding relationship. The miracle of, uh, you name it, a snowflake, yeah. These things are miracles. But calling a snowflake a miracle and calling the incarnation of Jesus Christ a miracle Two entirely different kinds of miracle. They're both miracles. But one is so much more powerful. So much more important. So much more... Uh, efficacious? 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 Efficacious, I think, is the word. Efficacy would be the root word. Anyway, I'm going to look that up and... <laughs> I'll be smarter. <laughs> Amen. 
so much more potent, the idea that God wrapped himself in flesh and came down. If you look at all of the Old Testament, all of the, uh, all of the incarnations of God, the theophanies, where, where Jesus re- or God in the Old Testament revealed himself to mankind in different forms, as angels, as men, uh, a smoking cloud on Mount Sinai, uh, the, the Shekinah glory descending on the tabernacle, all of these different ways through the prophets he would speak. But never did he come down personally. Never did he create himself a man to inhabit. Never did he do that. Until now. When you, when you begin to understand the, the things that had to take place for that to happen, you read the Old Testament tabernacle plan. For anyone to be able to enter into the presence of God was a pretty big deal. It was a huge deal. It took a lot of preparation. And you better get it right. Because if you didn't get it right, God would strike you dead and they'd drag you out. Because they're not going in after you. It's a big deal to be in the presence of God. We don't understand that in this new covenant. What a huge deal it is. We got access anytime we want. We're spoiled that way. I'm glad we are. I want access to the throne of God anytime I need. I enjoy that. But sometimes we forget what a huge privilege that really is. That we can do that anytime we want. They never could. There were the people of God. His chosen people could not do that. The high priest could, one time a year, to make a sacrifice for sin on the Day of Atonement. That was it. That was it. That's the only access that one person had. The rest of them had no access. Today, we remember when Jesus, when God wrapped himself and came down and lived with us. He lived with us. He spent time with us. He touched people. He spoke to them. He ministered to their needs. He listened to them. People were seen by him. And we could see him for the first time ever. Jesus said a few times in Scripture that he, he is the representation of God. He is God manifest in flesh. He is literally God come down from heaven for you and for me. If you look at other, the other plans of salvation that have happened in various dispensations, we understand the privileged state that we live in today under this new covenant. We have the fullest revelation of who God is. We have the, by far the greatest promises, the greatest hope. 
We have the most power and authority of, of anybody all through history. We are truly privileged, blessed people today because of this one event. Mary saw a little bit what the situation was. When she spoke, she sung, she prayed this hymn of praise. There are others that are very similar in Scripture. We read a very similar hymn sung by Moses after they crossed the Red Sea. We see similar words come out of the mouth of King David in the Psalms. The words themselves aren't all that new. The concepts have been revealed previously. But now for Mary, it's personal. We understand the situation Mary and Joseph were in at the time. In retrospect, in hindsight, this seems like an awesome blessing. What an awesome thing to give birth to the Savior, the Messiah. I've not experienced it myself, being pregnant. I don't believe that I ever will. However, I can imagine what an awesome experience that is. Having a life growing inside of you. I've often wondered, marveled at that, that whole idea. That there is a, a soul, an individual, coming to life, growing inside of this woman. The attachment, the, the, the whole experience, like I said, <laughs> never been there. But I can imagine it's a very potent, very wonderful thing. But no more so in Mary's case. She was going to give birth to God himself. You know what I mean by that. She's not the mother of God. Okay. <clears throat> but she's giving birth to Jesus. This manifestation of God wrapped in flesh. That must have seemed like a pretty awesome thing in and of itself. But when you take the whole picture, you know, God asks a lot of things of a lot of people. And taken out of context, that seems pretty awesome. But when you put it back in the situation that they're in, it's a little bit different. Yeah, that's an awesome thing. But there's going to be a price to pay for this privilege. Mary's pregnant out of wedlock. And she can say, I'm pregnant by God all she wants. Who's going to believe her? But we believe her. <laughs> no one of her day was going to believe her. Not even Joseph was going to believe her. Until... The angel came and explained it to him. Then he saw it, but not until then. He was just going to put her away privily. When you put it in the situation, 
Yeah, it's an awesome thing, but <laughs> that's not going to look good. She's going to bear some shame because no one's going to understand. No one's going to know what's going on here. And yet, she is able to speak these words, knowing full well the price that's coming. She acknowledges some things here. She calls this whole thing a blessing. Even knowing what's coming down the pike. This is a blessing. She declares that God brings low the proud and exalts the humble in spirit. That there is no respecter of persons with God. That God is altogether holy and just and righteous. Only He is. That's comforting. I'm glad that God doesn't respect persons. I'm glad that God chose to give birth to Jesus Christ through this lowly handmaid. Not through a queen. Not through some royal dignitary. When you stop and think about it, the difference between Mary and a queen and the difference between the queen and life in heaven we start seeing that difference evaporate a little bit. When you're coming down from the throne of God, there's really no difference. It's all humanity. God is so far above us. His thoughts are higher than ours. His ways are higher than ours. So much so that there is literally no difference between the lowliest person and the most honored, highest person in the world. Let's take all of history. There's still no difference. The differences are so small when you're way up there. When you think about it like that, it's easier to understand why God does not respect persons. All people are the same to Him. When we come to Him, we come in the same manner. We come in the same way. When we stand before God, we stand equally. Servant and master alike. We stand equally in the presence of God. That is an awesome concept. That's an awesome thing. She declares that God will help those who depend on Him and trust in Him. Aren't you glad for that? Why did He come in the first place? To take care of one of our greatest needs. Salvation. I don't know if this is the right way to say this. But if God ever experienced a need, I think it would be this. To reestablish the relationship that He wanted with us. The relationship that Adam and Eve shattered. He wanted desperately to have a close, 
personal relationship with each and every one of us. Not just the high priest one time a year, but with all people everywhere. That's why he came. And when we come to him, and we all come to him the same way, doesn't matter who we are, he acknowledges us. He doesn't shoo us off. He doesn't brush us away. He loves us. It doesn't matter what our backgrounds are. It doesn't matter who we are, what family we were born in, what country we were born in. It doesn't matter who we are. If we're coming to God in humility and with a repentant, broken spirit, He will not turn us away. He will acknowledge us. He will hear our cries and He will forgive our sins. And He will establish His covenant with us. God will not God will turn away empty-handed those who will acknowledge their need. Those who do not come to him in humility. Those who do not do not come to him with a broken repentant spirit, but come to him in arrogance and haughtiness and pride. He will not acknowledge those. He will turn them away. If we look at Revelation chapter 3, God reveals to us our true state in that situation. Verse 17 begins, Because thou sayest, I am rich, and increased with goods, and have need of nothing. There are people in the world like that. They have everything they need. They don't need God. They don't need His salvation. But he continues, And knowest not that thou art wretched, and miserable, and poor, and blind, and naked. Those that feel their need the least, sometimes have it the most. Those that understand that I am miserable, and poor, and blind, and wretched. Those are the ones God runs to. Those are the one God rushes to to help and to minister to. He goes on in verse 18, I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire that thou mayest be rich, and white raiment that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear, and anoint thine eyes with eye salve that thou mayest see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous therefore, and repent. Those that come to God in, with a humble heart, acknowledging the truth that I am desperately in need. I am desperately in need of salvation every single day. Without God, I am hopeless and altogether lost. I acknowledge that. There will never be a time in my life where I don't need God. In my best day, in my most blessed day, where I'm just feeling on top of the world, it's then when I'm most tempted to take some time off. I'm just feeling really good right now. I don't need to pray right now at this moment. I don't, have, I don't need anything. I don't know why, but that temptation always seems to come when I'm way up here. It always pops into my mind. 
And I know where that leads. And that's why I hate it so much. That feeling. Even in that moment, I need God desperately. Mary declares God's faithfulness to His covenant people. All through Scripture, He promised from Genesis 3.15 all the way up through Malachi. He promised His people that there was coming a Messiah. There was coming someone who was going to deliver Israel, who was going to deliver God's people. Now, they mistook it for a, a political, physical deliverance. But God had something far greater in mind. A complete spiritual deliverance. Salvation. True salvation. Not just rolling it forward year after year after year. Not just delaying it. But taking care of it. With that one sacrifice. He took care of all of it throughout all of history. And it's taken care of forevermore. He'll never have to do it again. He was the perfect sacrifice. The perfect sacrifice. That's why He came. That's why He came and wrapped Himself in flesh. He came for you and for me. I'm thankful for a season where we can take time to acknowledge that. But we ought to be acknowledging that every day of the year. Reflecting on what a miracle this is. What a miracle it is that God descended from heaven, lived among us, experienced everything that we experience. God got hungry. God banged his thumb with a hammer. He was a carpenter. I'm sure he hit it one time. Maybe not. He was perfect. <laughs> but he certainly experienced pain. He experienced heartache, sorrow, disappointment, betrayal. He experienced everything. All for one reason. The possibility that you would come to Him. The possibility that I would choose to serve Him with my life. He, for the joy that was set before Him, endured the cross, despising the shame. He could see past Calvary. He could see past all of that to you and me sitting here today in His presence. What an awesome God we serve. What an awesome thing it is that God came down, wrapped Himself in flesh, suffered on a cross, suffered this life that you and I live. He did that willingly. He did it gladly to free us from the bondage of sin and death. Amen. This season, let's continue to remember that Jesus is the reason for the season. Let's continue to remember 
that Christmas is not about gifts. It's not about shopping. It's about a Savior. But let's also remember after the season has passed that these things are still true. They still apply. They will apply all year long. Amen. Let's all stand. I'm sure you've thought this way as well, that when I get up to heaven, I got some questions I want to ask God. I got some things I want cleared up. Once I get up there, maybe that'll still be the case. Maybe I won't care anymore. I don't know. But I know down here, I do have a few questions yet. I think I'm always going to have some questions. God will answer some. And in the answering of some, other questions pop up. It's kind of a cool process, actually. I don't know what it's going to be like knowing everything, having perfect knowledge. I kind of like the process of discovery, the process of learning growing. I like that. One of the questions I've often wanted to ask him Why me? Why would why would you choose me? I know he, he chooses everybody. It's God's will that all people everywhere be saved. I understand that, but but God does didn't come to save the human race. He didn't come to establish a relationship with the human race. He came to establish a relationship with individuals. He came to save individuals. You and me. That's who he came for. So I wonder from time to time, why me? I understand in Scripture that it is of God both to will and to do of his good pleasure. I didn't come to God. I didn't choose God. He chose me. He drew me, he wooed me with cords of love to this relationship I I enjoy with him today. That was all him. What's different about me? Other people have heard the same thing. Other people have experienced very similar things. But they're not here today. They don't serve God today. I don't know why that is. I don't know why some people serve God for a time and then decide to walk away.
I don't think the people in this room are any more or less spiritual than anybody else. I don't think we're any more or less strong than anyone else. That's a question I have. I don't know why that is. I'm thankful, so very thankful, that he did choose me and that he chose you. That he thought of you and me when he hung on the cross. He thought of you and me every time he experienced a disappointment or a heartache or pain or suffering. God loves us. He wants the very best for us. He created us for a reason. In Him, we have the only life worth living. The only life worth living. I've experienced both sides of the equation. I have that experience, not by choice, but it's there, so I'm going to use it. Don't ever choose the world. Don't ever forsake living for God. Don't let it cross your mind. I know it seems like it can get tough sometimes. I get that. I know we we get disappointed. I know we get frustrated. I know we get tired and weary and and people hurt us. People in church hurt us. The ministry hurts us. I understand that. I totally get that. The emotions that come with that. But that's not on God. That's people. That's people that are doing that, not God. Don't blame God. God loves you. I don't know how, how else he can demonstrate how much he loves us. I don't know what else he can do. Keep serving Jesus Christ. Get closer to him, not farther away. Do more for him, not less. Give more, not less. And all the more as you see the day approaching. Amen. Let's pray in closing. We'll also pray for the food that we're about to receive. Lord Jesus, thank you.